I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Today, something fascinating happened on the floor of the United States House of Representatives. The the big piece of news to take away from Congress today is that the House passed this $2 trillion coronavirus economic stimulus package, the largest ever. And in about 23 minutes from right now, it is expected that President Donald Trump will sign that piece of legislation and those $2 trillion will begin their process of flowing into your pocket, the pocket of business owners uh, and and companies uh, and municipalities and individuals around this country. Uh, Essentially going to restart this economy. Those are the hopes of everyone involved on both sides of the aisle. There today also was revealed to be a villain in the U.S. House of Representatives. And I don't say that lightly. Let me explain. So the way things were supposed to work today, as it was agreed upon by the Republican and Democrat leaders in the House, so that being uh, Kevin McCarthy and Speaker Pelosi, was that this measure after it uh, was sent from the Senate over to the House, would be passed by something called a voice vote. A voice vote is when uh, someone occupying the position of speaker in that big chair in the House of Representatives, uh, where you see the president deliver the State of the Union address, and you occasionally see uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, slamming down the gavel and uh, calling all the members to order. Uh, well, from time to time, other folks occupy that chair. In fact, it's most often the practice that someone uh, occupies uh, that position uh, and serves as Speaker Pro Tem. So this morning, it was agreed that that individual uh, would... Uh, allow for a vote, a voice vote, to be taken uh, for passage in the House of this giant measure. A voice vote is when uh, they simply, the members there present, simply shout out the yeas and nays. They support it or they don't support it. Now, this doesn't happen too often because there is always someone, uh, often of the opposing party, uh, ready to call for a roll call vote where uh, the members of Congress would have to each individually uh, cast their vote. And we would later on be able to look back at a a, a document uh, called a roll, and we would see how each member of Congress uh, voted specifically. But because of the current circumstance, the members of Congress are all home for the most part, uh, spread out throughout the country. Uh, Most of Utah's House delegation here in in Utah, John Curtis, no, John Curtis was in Washington, D.C. today, and we'll hear from him in just a moment. But what happened today 
was that a Kentucky congressman named Thomas Massey tried to insist on that recorded vote. He tried to create a circumstance where members of Congress from all around the country would have to return to Washington, D.C., expose themselves uh, and others to uh, in the airports, pass through large crowds, and engage in behavior contrary to the advice that we have been given uh, to to stay at home as much as possible and practice uh, this social distancing. Now, it's very important that uh, if there is some overwhelming will of the House of Representatives, that that be communicated. And sometimes you've got to take some risks to pull that off. And so if there had been any question as to the outcome of how this piece of legislation uh, would emerge from the House today, then, yeah, I think everyone should go back to D.C. and vote on it, and we should get an actual count. But, but. The members of Congress from around the country had already signaled uh, their support. Both parties, everyone, except for Thomas Massey, who tried uh, to call for uh, a roll call vote. And what his threat did, now ultimately, let me, I'll, I'll, let me spoil this whole story for you. At the very end of things, uh, a, a voice vote was all that was required. Uh, the measure has passed, and as I told you, in about 20 minutes from now, the president's going to sign it. But the threat leveled by this congressman, Mr. Massey, uh, from Kentucky, because he had threatened to upend the process and call for every member of Congress to return and cast a vote, what he did was he required that a quorum be present. That number is 218. If he hadn't leveled those threats against the United States House of Representatives, uh, that quorum would not have been needed to assemble there on both the floor and in the gallery of the House of Representatives to defeat his efforts. And so 218 members of Congress had to travel uh, to Washington, D.C. to protect the rest. It's an absolutely fascinating thing, and if uh, uh, you ever get the time to to read some of these parliamentary rules that govern the operations in the House of Representatives, it's absolutely fascinating. But you've got to be leery of folks who would uh, put in real danger their colleagues and anyone with whom those colleagues may come in contact. And Mr. Massey did exactly that. He put lives at risk. And if I'm honest, we still don't yet know uh, what the full uh, ramifications may be of his uh, selfish and, as he he would put it, uh, principled behavior on the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, I want to uh, talk a little bit more about the debate, which actually took place on the floor, but I want to read you uh, a tweet here that just came through from Senator Mike Lee in defense of this Representative Thomas Massey. I'll read it to you verbatim. It says, I don't know a member of Congress more principled or dedicated to the Constitution than Representative Thomas Massey. Speaker Pelosi delayed this process repeatedly and sent the House into recess before its job was complete. Big mistake. Now, I don't disagree with that tweet. I I don't disagree that this Representative Massey is a a principled member. I have seen him in action for years. As you know, uh, I worked back there. In Washington, I saw him do many things that were based on principle, and I do believe that he uh, is dedicated to the Constitution. And uh, according to Mike Lee's tweet, it is true that Speaker Pelosi did delay this process and sent the House into recess before it had the opportunity to vote on this measure. That's all true. But what is also true is that Massey knew how this would play out, and despite that, he still demanded that members of Congress, his own colleagues, the folks he works alongside every day, 
put themselves at risk traveling to Washington, D.C. to pull off what happened this morning uh, in Congress. It frustrates me. I don't agree with uh, Mr. Massey's behavior. I think he endangered people. Now, on the floor of the House, uh, one of Utah's representatives was there in attendance, and he spoke out uh, in defense of this CARES Act, prompting uh, others, uh, I think, to, to vote for it, as they all did, except for uh, Mr. Massey. He spoke uh, today uh, supporting this CARES Act. Mr. Speaker, I rise in support of the CARES Act, the largest economic disaster recovery package in our nation's history. Given the size and the scope of this pandemic, it's a hefty price tag that must be paid. But I challenge my colleagues to join me in dealing with the consequences of spending money we don't have. It's time to get our financial house in order before it becomes our next crisis. I represent a state that has a balanced budget and a rainy day fund. We do it on a state level and we can do it on a federal level. I've heard stories of the devastating effects of COVID-19. One of the most important, unique parts of Utah's culture is the pride we take in serving one another, especially in a time of crisis. This spirit, coupled with the targeted stream of resources designed to keep money in the economy and people healthy, will be the key ingredients to ensuring communities across the state can fully heal from this unprecedented crisis. We will weather this storm together. Ultimately, the vote passed. Uh, in 15 minutes, the president will sign it, uh, and the economy will get its stimulus. Uh, so that's that on that issue. We may return to it later on in the program, uh, talking about some of the specifics of this $2 trillion deal and what you may uh, be uh, on the verge of receiving, at least in your uh, mailbox, or maybe directly deposited into your banking account. That's ahead. Also, I'm going to talk about uh, a piece of uh, rulemaking done by Governor Gary Herbert regarding the collection of signatures in some upcoming elections here in the state of Utah. It's a fascinating thing, fascinating turn of events in this issue uh, as we face the, the ramifications and the consequences of our continued fight against the coronavirus. That's coming up next. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, and you're listening to KSL News Radio.